Are you ready to get real? Hello, and welcome to Real with MoxieWorks, where we discuss real estate news, tips, and of course, technology. Well, hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another uh, podcast, first in our 2020 series. Excited to have you listening, and uh, equally excited to welcome Brett Calthorpe to uh, to the podcast, a, a new Moxian, new fellow Moxian, but with a uh, an illustrious and varied past, uh, I think generally, Brett, but also specifically in real estate. Thank you. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so let's talk about your background, actually. I think a number of the listeners may recognize your name or, or have interacted with you, but those that haven't, talk a little bit about your twisted path that we all have <laughs> and how you ended up uh, here at Moxie, but ultimately you know, came into the real estate business and that's things you've done. Well, I think like most people, I didn't grow up wanting to end up in real estate. It just kind of happened to me, to be honest. Um, I wanted to be a rock star growing up. Um, Don't we professional all? Professional musician. So but I did you that. actually came pretty I close. Pretty, I came pretty close. So when people talk about rock star real estate, I can actually kind of feel a little <laughs> bit of a claim to that. Um, did a little bit of journalism. But yeah, I ended up in real estate actually through the finance side. So I worked for a property management company that handled uh, about 24 luxury condo associations in Longboat Key, uh, Florida, Southwest Florida. So I did that for about five years and then went to a REMAX group, uh, originally basically handling all the finances. Uh, but it was your typical kind of mom and pop brokerage. Uh, you know, the husband was the broker, the wife was the top producer, they had a real estate team and they were kind of neglecting the brokerage because they were so busy out selling. So basically I took over that company, um, came the operations manager and ran all aspects of it in terms of recruiting and books and um, education development, et cetera. I did that for about five years and then, um, or pardon me, nine years. And then I went up to Canada and had the honor of working for the Metro Vancouver Properties Group up there. And they were the number one REMAX in the world in sales. Mm -hmm. um, something like, I think it, it's now been like eight of the last 10 years. Uh, they did uh, about six to seven billion dollars in volume with 600 agents, which is crazy. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, and so I ran their uh, education programs, recruiting programs, and um, just a few other little odds and up there. And that really kind of got me known the Remax network. So I did a lot of Remax training, obviously locally, but then I started speaking um, at regional events. I did a little bit with Remax uh, University as for the whole network spoke at R4, which is the REMAX convention. And then um, really what changed the second half, I would say, of my career was Inman, believe it or not, Brad Inman. Oh, the uh, long arm of Brad Inman. Yeah, I, uh, and actually it's more Laura Monroe, but um, okay. Laura Monroe, had, I had posted something in the Inman Coast to Coast group about an article and, and Stop Me Real Estate folks, if you've ever heard this one, about how real estate agents are gonna go the way of the dodo bird because technology. <laughs> and she said, did anybody have an opinion about this? And I did. And so uh, she invited me to write a contribution. And after that, they made me a contributor and then uh, made me an Inman ambassador for the 2015 uh, Inman New York. And I got to speak at Agent Reboot. And that was the uh, snowpocalypse year. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was fun. So I'm... you and three people that attended. <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, I was able to do handshakes to everybody afterwards. Um, <laughs> but uh, some of the people who did see me there were... Uh, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, and Sherry, Chris, and Amy Shrew. So um, 
they apparently liked what they saw and we kind of stayed in touch through a friend of mine uh, that worked there and uh, fast forward they had an opening for the director of talent attraction over there uh, which was a really unique role it was the only brand at that time within Realogy that had a person completely focused on growth uh, recruiting and retention so um, they flew me out and went to Realogy and I interviewed with them and at the end of the interview Sherry you know, offered me the position. And it was the only time in my life that I've ever been offered a job. And I said yes on the spot because when Sherry Chris says, hey, will you come help me grow my brand? You say, absolutely, ma'am. I will be back as soon as I can. So, yeah, that's uh, true. so yeah, so basically did a couple of years there, really liked it. And then uh, Realogy had uh, a bit of a reorg there. Uh, and I was still happy at BHG, but then a very, very unique role in our industry came open. And that is when Jay Thompson retired from Zillow. I knew Jay, I knew several people from Zillow, one of my best friends in the industry, uh, Scott Rorick worked at, and has worked at Zillow. And so I knew that if I didn't at least throw my hat in the ring for that one, for director of industry outreach, I'd regret it because I felt like it was this really interesting ability to be the ambassador for Zillow to the real estate industry. But it was also a chance to be an ambassador for the real estate industry within Zillow. Uh, and that's part of what people never saw um, during my time there is the, all the meetings with the product teams and different people where you're kind of the real estate voice at the table saying, hey, that's a great idea or this is going to get me shot if you do this, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I did that. Um, it was a it was an interesting experience to be the pinata of the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well said. I can only imagine we, we've being here in Seattle for mm -hmm. those of you that that our listeners, you may not know that Moxie's headquartered in downtown Seattle, and I can literally look out my office window and see the, oh, yeah. the gleaming, shiny Zillow Tower. So for those of us here, yeah, I, I uh, agree with you. We we certainly, uh, it's, it must be a challenging, must have been a challenge for you to, to be the voice of the real estate industry inside a, a company that's not known for its, its uh, uh compatibility, I guess, with the industry. Well, in just the year I came in, you know, and, and Jay swears he didn't know um, the, what was coming. But if you look at what's happened with Zillow, particularly the development of Zillow, last year, you know, the last 15 months are probably the most tumultuous 15 months that company's had. They do yeah. the high buying and mortgage and all those other things. And so I was really kind of a perfect storm of, of being there. But, you know, I learned a lot. I met a lot of people in the industry. I learned a ton about the industry uh, more. And that's... Uh, also uh, kind of what led me to you guys. So uh, with Moxie Works, uh, I've known Georgia and I've known the company and respected the company. And so when I knew I wanted to do something different and get a little closer back to working with agents and brokers at a more granular level than just talking at them, um, you know, this this company was exactly what I was looking for. And I'm not saying that because you're my boss. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed it so far. That's great. And, and we are thrilled to have you. I, I think for a variety of reasons, I mean, you obviously bring with you uh, an industry voice that I think will will be helpful. But it's, uh, I saw you present before you became a Moxie at our bungalow event and was mightily impressed with, as was the audience, with the, the thought uh, with which you approach the role of the agent and how to make the agent, therefore, the brokerage better. <clears throat> and I think you have a very, very unique background. I mean, not many people have, have um, backgrounds that include being a sort of a process operator, 
being a, uh, a trainer, being a re recruiter, a process recruiter, ultimately being uh, an industry voice at the largest, arguably the largest uh, you know, public company in this space, mm -hmm. on and on. So I think you'll have a lot to contribute. And that's hopefully what we'll get into here now in the rest of the podcast. So um, the audience here, I'm sure, is sick of hearing me say this, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, our, our ethos, our approach at Moxie, I think, is somewhat different. And it, a lot of it stems from, from my belief and our collective belief that um, while recruiting and retention are the things everybody wakes up worrying about in our, in our brokerage customers, I believe that's, that's two legs of a three-legged stool and that the third leg is productivity. If you can make agents productive, then recruiting and retention get much, much easier because people will want to be at the brokerage and they want to stay because they're being successful. So when we dissect productivity, productivity in my mind is a formula, sales productivity. And by the way, this is well beyond real estate. It's, it's true of any selling. It's, it's the, the formula is sales productivity equals training plus systems plus coaching. And if you don't have those three things going on, you will not maximize productivity. And of course, we're the systems piece. We at Moxie believe that that's our role. But it has to be, for its maximum impact, it has to be complemented by training and, and coaching. So I'm curious, you know, there's there's all this swirling in our industry. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier, how, you know, your your entry into Inman was this idea that tech is going to take over the world and make the agent obsolete. And, and thank God we don't talk about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for the record, Moxie has never and does. I personally do not believe that's the case. Not I think either. the human element will always be an element. But in fairness that the the dynamic of that human element has changed and continues to change. So I'd be curious to hear you know, your thoughts uh, around that, particularly with the background and lens that you've had as you've now come into to Moxie. And you're, as I recall, you're about 90 days or so in, so you're still yeah. fresh enough. You have that that 100-day Teflon that I like to say, where you're not, we haven't polluted you with all our stuff no. quite yet. No, you know, and it's funny, in that article, uh, you know, I, I wrote in there, and it's one of my quotes that's kind of followed me over the years, that if you can be replaced by a computer, you probably should be. Um, and and True. and I stand by that. You know, it's there is a certain bit of, and I and I said this occasionally in, in other roles, but of course, you know, be representing a company, you have to be careful. But, you know, there are a lot of amazing agents in this business. And why I do what I do is because I love working with entrepreneurs. I love those stories of the people that, you know, had to work three jobs to put themselves through college as a single mom or, or, you know, they were ex-military and looking for what's next, like, uh, like a good friend of mine down in Texas, who's now running a fantastic Remax operation. That's those kind of stories and, and the services that we provide in real estate. That's really what draws me to it. Um, I do think, however, uh, the value prop has changed and and it's changed significantly um you know we've had uh, and sherry chris like to, used to talk about this is that you know there was originally the age of the broker so if you wanted to know what was for sale you had to go to the brokerage they pulled out the listing book you know like it's the arc of the covenant and you go through <laughs> it and etc and then of course you know, Zillow and Yahoo and others put the listings online. And I remember I was with Remax uh, when they became, I believe, the first franchise to show other companies listings. And they kind of invented this idea of we'll show other companies listings, but then obviously send those leads to our agents um, to help as a value prop for Remax. So I was already kind of comfortable with speaking about that. Um, in terms of what agents, I think you, you have to be uh, at an agent level, you have to be dialed in on what today's consumer wants and expects. 
and I think as a brokerage, um, to your point of what you're talking about earlier, to me, the number one compact you make with an agent who chooses to affiliate with you is that I'm going to make your business better. And if you can't fulfill that promise, you're probably not going to be able to recruit that well. And you can sure you can cut them a check or you can do other things to try to stave it. But to me, that's and, and every company I've worked in uh, on that aspect, uh, on that end was the compact that you make. And so having those systems are critical to be able to drive that business. Um, there is a lot of math behind it, right? If you know you need to do this many sales, you need to do this many appointments, you can do the formula on down. But I think having that environment and finding those agents who are actual coachable and do want to learn, um, that's the important part, part. Because I do think, unfortunately, there's a subset of a agents who pass the test and kind of think like they're almost owed a career. Yeah. And, and something that I think I might have even said at Bungalow is, you know, if you think that, take a look and see how many agents are in your market and then take a look and see how many accountants are in your market or how many dentists are in your market. And these yeah. are these are services that people use a heck of a lot more often than, than buying or selling a house. So, um, you know, it's exciting to work with forward thinking companies who do get this and who are trying to make themselves effectively, you know, dis undisruptable. Right. And I think at the core, you're absolutely right. The undisruptability of uh, a brokerage or an agent is that human connection. But I think one of the things that, uh, and some of you in the audience have heard me say this before too, but I believe the mistake that gets made in technology, and again, this has nothing to do with real estate, it's broader than that, is we're constantly trying to replace the human. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the primary role, or even frankly, in, in most industries, the secondary role of technology. Let's have computers do what computers are good at, mm -hmm. so the humans can do what humans are good at. Absolutely. And you know, the computers are good, is, in my opinion, at two fundamental things, which is keeping track of things, and reminding people to do things. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously Moxie systems play a role in that. Um, and then the human can do what can, no computer can do, which is a thoughtful annual property review. All the automated everything's in the world and the AVM slash Zestimate stuff mm -hmm. is proof of this, is never gonna be the equivalent of a human knowing that family, that situation, that exact property in detail and being thoughtful about it. Can't have coffee with it, can't remember your birthday in a thoughtful way, not just send a spam or ram up email. So all those types of things, um, you know, I think are, are super important and they go to what you're talking about, that the, the uh, relationship is the defensible part, use the technology to fulfill all the other parts so that you can concentrate everyone's energy on that, that well, defensible and I want, part. And I want to key on something you said, because you talked about, um, you, you don't think as far as a value, figuring out the value of a house, right? First and foremost, the value of a house is exactly what somebody would pay for it. Yes. Right. Um, so there's the human element already baked in. But, you know, computers and AVMs and et cetera can do an incredible job of looking at comps and looking at this and that. I mean, there's, you know, Zillow has a complete GIS map rendering of the country. So they can tell what the view is from that window upstairs. Can you see the mountains from it, et cetera? But when you kept talking, you also mentioned about that family and that situation. And, you know, and, and that's something, and I know we're going to talk about iBuying later, but that human element of the transaction, um, you know, sure, it's great if you've got an investor client that's bought a portfolio of homes and is very up to speed on things, but typically people don't buy and sell that often. Um, and everybody's story, everybody's situation is different. And I think that that is that, um, you know, little mystery. And, and it was, you know, when you look at error rates on AVMs, I always kind of said, that's a good thing. Because the second that those become 0%, 
then you really need to look at your value oh, yeah. prop, right? And so, I, and I, I don't see that ever happening. No, you're right. And I think that we've all in our own ways, including all the quote disruptors uh, with their various new models have, we've all been lulled into a bit of a false sense of security because we're, we're 10 years into an expansion mm -hmm. and that changes and, and leads, I think, to some, there are parts of these models that are unproven because they haven't lived through a downturn is my sure. point. Um, on the other hand, I think all of us uh, need to think about technology as a enhancer to productivity because in a downturn for all of us, including traditional brokers, software companies like Moxie, we're going to have to worry about efficiency in a downturn because margins compress. Of course. Um, but let's talk about the IBERS. You brought it up a minute ago, and, and now's a good time. So having seen the industry generally and specifically having come from, as you mentioned, you know, 15 months of turmoil at a company reinventing itself arguably around iBuying, you know, what is your perspective on that? And what would you tell the audience of, of brokerage ownership about how to think about iBuying? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think... Um, you know, I choose to take Rich at his word, and he did a podcast, I believe it was about a year ago, um, with a with a group, and and he mentioned that when he saw what Open Door was doing, that it made him realize that he thought that they needed to pivot, um, because if Open Door was successful in their mission, his opinion was then that really hurt Zillow's value prop. Uh, you know, where I come about, and I have a unique perspective because having worked in comms there, I mean, I saw stories from people that did benefit from um, iBuying. I don't personally expect it to be the norm, of course. Um, but the way I look at it, I think that, let's, let's put it this way. I think that it's consumer driven because there was a need. Um, we all know that there's a stickiness factor with people that a lot of folks would love to move, but they can't for whatever reason. Um, they don't have the deposit whatever it might be, or, hey, I got a new job and I dealt with this a lot in my market of Florida. I had an awful lot of folks who would have loved to move down there from Michigan, but they couldn't sell their houses in Michigan. So you run into those situations. And sometimes it's as simple as I don't want another winner. Sometimes it's I got a job there. I need to be living there by a X date and I need the certainty that this provides. And, and you know, there's always other little factors. You know, for example, one uh, person that I know went that route uh, had a special needs son who really couldn't handle the process of showings and keeping the, and, and all that sort of thing. As far as agents, how they should look at it, I think it's instead of looking at the money, which is, of course, where everybody went first. Oh, you're leaving money on the table. I, I've coached since iBuying was out. You have to look at the needs that it's actually addressing, you know, namely speed, convenience, uh, you know, um, the, the hassle of selling a property, which, you know, and, and people have taken a lot of slack uh, for saying hassle and they assume that means the agent. It's not the agent, but I don't care who you are. Having to keep your house spick and span neat, oh, God, dust yeah. pan clean every single day, being able to accommodate people coming through your house, uh, the uncertainty that's out there, having to worry about this is going on or do I need to put money into repairs for that? It's it's rarely a joyful amazing process, right? No matter how hard we all work to try to make it that way. So I think with iBuyers, realize the pain points they're, that they're addressing, realize that there's a serviceable market for those pain points. Um, you know, maybe it's 10% in some markets, maybe it's 3% in other markets. Um, and then the other part is, is, you know, if there are opportunities to work with them, um, I think that you, it behooves you to do that. And that's one of the reasons I was very excited about our announcement with Open Door. You know, I, I, talk to agents and, uh, you know, I'm putting my money in the past where my mouth is now is saying, look, you should be able to walk in there prepared to talk about it. You should be able to say, you know, hey, this is 
this is what we can get if we list, and this is why I feel this way. But don't just sit there and bash the iBuyer model and say, oh, yeah, they'll give you pennies on the dollar. Because frankly, if that person talks to another agent who did do the due diligence and can speak to it more professionally, they're probably going to go with that agent. Yeah, that's right. And that's for those of you in the audience that may not have seen the release or, or heard about what we've done with Moxie Present, our, our CMA and presentation product, we've created a, a relationship with Open Door. Uh, and you might say, well, why Open Door? Just as a, as a quick side note, two reasons. Technical capability, they're very sophisticated and allows to automate the entire process. But secondly, uh, they, they understand the role of the, as you've just described, Brett, the role of the agent and therefore the brokerage in facilitating this when appropriate. And what we've done is leave it entirely first in your control as a brokerage customer of ours. You can choose whether you want to enable this capability. And then each agent gets to choose whether they introduce this uh, in a specific customer situation. So it's always under everybody's control, but we've automated it so that it makes it really easy for an agent to represent, as you've said, the juxtaposition of here's the traditional process and here's an option for you. Because as you've said, there's for certain circumstances, it's the right thing to do for the customer. Let's not forget the customer yeah. and all this. Um, and we've just made that super easy. Well, so. it's no different than saying, you know, when you're, when you're looking and working with somebody, are you just checking the MLS to see what's out there? Or do you know of other properties that may be coming on the market? Do you know of, you know, other opportunities that maybe aren't on the MLS, et cetera? So, I mean, I think you need to provide all the options. And, and you know, when you look at market share, and that's the other thing is it's the noise, right? And, and it takes a lot of companies, I think, other eyes off the ball a bit. Um, not with Zillow, but I'm saying just in general, people are so worried about I buyer, I buyer, I buyer. It's in less than two dozen markets in the country right now. And yes, they're expanding, um, but it's in less than two dozen markets yeah, in the country. Right. And it's a giant industry. And so, you know, if they, even if I buyers, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So, I mean, even if I buyers hit 5%, cool, you have 95% of the other opportunities. And then I think, which I one of the reasons I really like Open Door's model is they're saying, look, if you choose to go this way and your clients choose to go this way, we're going to work with you, make sure that you're compensated, make sure that it's a great process for them right. to the best of our ability. Right. And if and, you take care of that consumer, let's not forget, 82% of an agent's business comes from the sphere of influence. Absolutely. Right? People that know, like, and trust them. So if you if you help this consumer, maybe you don't do the traditional process, you help them, I buy, they, or I sell, I guess, in this mm -hmm. case. You get some compensation, but now you've created someone that's going to know, like, and trust you and bring other business to you. People got to think about the bigger picture. Well, and, and I think, you know, if you look at the broader iBuyer market, I don't expect it to get more disruptive. Um, I feel like it's actually getting slightly more conservative when it comes to disruption. I mean, you're seeing the classic stalwarts like the Realogies of the world. Even Keller Williams now is working with OfferPad. So, um, you know, it's... It's something that the franchise level, they're starting to realize, look, we need to be able to talk about this professionally. We need to train our agents to be able to talk about this. And hey, if we want to have an option yeah. in there too, it's another stream of revenue. Awesome. With compressing, you know, I know a lot of independent brokers and brokerage groups that have launched iBuyer models because they have compressing margins. And hey, if we can make some extra money doing it this way, great. Um, you know, to me, it's just broadening and i think that's the larger discussion is it's becoming more of the everybody's taking that platform approach and that platform as far as your arrows in your quiver is increasingly going to need to include an iBuyer yeah. option so yeah. let's talk about that i mean you know what what do you think particularly maybe for the the smaller more independent brokers but but really ultimately any brokerage out there what's the thing that you wish were a, a larger part of the conversation because we all are we've been very focused on 
I buy. We've mm-hmm. been focused on on compass at times. We've been, you know, there are these points that people have really glommed onto, and so much of the conversation went to. But what's the thing that you would highlight right now from your experience that you would encourage people to maybe think about that they're not? Without a doubt, um, the I, I always told brokerages uh, when I was at uh, BHG, you're only as good as the worst agent out there with your business card. And uh, I've gotten to know Stefan Swanepoel over the last few years, big fan of what they put out. And the number one threat to the industry in the danger report was the industry. It's uh, the low barrier to entry. It's, you know, agents out there who unfortunately haven't taken the time to learn the art of real estate, who aren't, uh, you know, doing things maybe that they should be doing. So I think to me, the, the biggest focus, the biggest threat is um, if you feel like consumers look at a process and say, I think I can do that without an agent, then naturally, I think the agent needs to take a step back and say, okay, well, what am I actually providing and what can I do to level up in that? So, you know, what I'm seeing that I think is positive is, you know, we've had all, there was obviously this big run of 10, 15 years to what I call the butts and seats models, right? Where it's low service and I'm not going to really, you know, you pay me $8 a month and you can hang your license here. But I'm starting to see, um, as I look nationally, the rise of these kind of power indies. And they're not huge, um, but, you know, there's these groups like uh, uh, the Art of Real Estate. It's a good friend of mine, Brad, uh, down uh, down south. Fabulous brokerage. Uh, another buddy of mine runs a place called Production Realty out in Michigan. Fabulous brokerage. And, yeah, they, they have 25, 30, 40 agents. But they are so uh, caring about what the agents are doing and, and how they're working with them to help to increase their productivity and really raise the bar. And this is something Go Realty, of course, was famous for as well. Um, that to me, I think is exciting. But then the challenge, of course, is how do you scale that? You know, and that was part of the challenge I had to address uh, when I went up to Canada, because all of a sudden I had 600 folks to worry about instead of 50. So, um, but what I saw there was that if the quality of the training and the quality of the systems and the quality of the tools was, was high enough, you could get the top producers to spend an hour in a room with other top producers and brainstorm. You could get folks to come to do things. Um, so I think fostering a culture of, are we better than yesterday? Can we raise the productivity? Can we really offer experience that no matter which one of my agents and my brokerage you work with, I know you're going to come out of it, um, you know, on cloud nine. To me, that's yeah. what we should be talking about. I, I'm so every happy, day. happy to hear you say this, Brett, because I think, I mean, yeah, surprise, you know, we're on the same page. But I, I think the the quality over quantity message that you've got here is that if, if you only remember one thing from this this podcast out there, it would be that because <clears throat> to me, uh, it, it's not a quantity game. My argument is we have too many agents in the industry, maybe not at your brokerage, but yeah. in the industry in total, and that's not helping. And ultimately, productivity in my mind and training and coaching, like we talked about earlier, are the the lead indicators. If you can measure and and get happiness around training and coaching, it will lead to productivity, which will solve the retention and recruiting problem, which solves everything and makes happy consumers and happy agents. And, and our technology is a piece of that, as we've said, mm-hmm. it has to complement the training coach. But to me, if there's one thing that brokerage owners can do, and if you look at our best customers, the ones that get the best return out of the investment they make with us, they are the ones that are also doing training and coaching. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, and I think, you know, we sometimes forget that the average agent taught themselves how to do the job. 
because you don't learn it. I always joked that what do you learn in pre-licensing, right? You learn how to not get sued, how to calculate a mortgage, how to calculate. Well, and so let's let's go there for a second, right? How many of us go to a doctor that's self-trained? How many of us get on an airplane flown by a pilot that's self-trained? It's just no other industry does this. No, it's it's you, and I'm not going to say fog a mirror, and, and but we do have too many agents. I mean, there's close to a million and a half at this yeah. point. Um, but the, and I think the other part too, and and, and the, I think a lot of companies are afraid to react within their own company. Um, something that I always yeah. suggest for agents is you got to you know, or for brokerages, is take a look and quartile your agents. So if you have a hundred agents, take the top twenty five, mid twenty five, you know center all the way down and take a look at what percentage of your office in terms of bodies and in terms of uh, production those folks represent. Um, I found most companies became more productive by fostering the middle, fostering sure. getting those people your going from 12 agents to 16. And I, and I joked, you know, when I went up to the group in Vancouver, there was 625 agents in 12 offices. And when I left, there was 580 off, uh, agents in 10 offices. And so my joke was, of course, you can see why Sherry picked me to help grow the brand, right? But <laughs> but the fact of the matter is productivity went up over 20% pro, um, and profitability went up over 20% sure, of course. because you, you spend so much time putting out fires and dealing with the other stuff that if you can just get it regimented, you have to have that push away power to say, look, you know, go be somebody else's problem. You know, it's this is our culture and we guard it with our life. And if you aren't on board and are you are not willing to do these things, um, and it's a challenge because they're all, you know, everybody's a self-employed contractor. But, you know, it's it's if you come to me and say, I don't want to be better at the services I provide under the brokerage that you run, I have a real problem. Keeping yeah, and this, I, I'm super passionate about this because I think what you're leading to is disrupt yourself, so to speak. In other words, you know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expect a different result. And I'll, I'll use a story that comes totally outside of real estate here on this. Uh, some of you out there know I'm a big motorcycle guy. So, um, you know, I, I'm passionate about that. And I own motorcycles. So here's the fun fact that most people are shocked when I tell them, which is that the first of the major manufacturers in the globally, including all the European and Asian manufacturers to produce a, a fully production electric motorcycle is Harley Davidson. Hmm. And people's heads explode because like, <laughs> what? How's that possible? They're traditional. Yes. But they realized that if they didn't do something to prepare themselves for the next hundred years, they've been amazing for a hundred years, for the next hundred years, that someone else was going to do that to them. Yep. And so they disrupted themselves, so to speak. And it's it, this is a large public company that could not be more traditional. Mm -hmm. And yet they've chosen to do this. So what message does that send to all of us, right? It's We've got to be willing to try new things and sort of damn the torpedoes and not just cling to whatever has been working because what got us here will not get us there. Absolutely. And, and it's and it's with the innovator's dilemma, right? And you saw yes. this Kodak as well, right? They didn't yep. embrace digital photography. And look Even what though happened. they invented it, ironically. Yeah, which is crazy. And then you look at something like Apple, of course, and that's the... Everybody looks at, you know, why did they get an MP3 players? Why did they get into phones? Because they had to, right? So, um, you know, innovation, I think that happens with every company. And that's and that part's really, really important. Um, but you can disrupt yourself. And it, and, and I'll, you know, I'll mention Compass is, uh, comes to mind because part of the reason I like the quartile agents is because what Compass, I think, figured out was I can buy market share. And if I come to you and say, how much do you want for your brokerage? You'll say X. But if I then go and take your top three, four producers, whether they're a cultural fit for me or not, 
Yeah. If I can take your top three or four producers, for most mid-sized companies, that's going to cripple them um, significantly in some cases. Uh, if you have that one team and you're power heavy, you know, and that's the other thing. It's like, I think people look at the overall number and if it's going up, great. But how is your average agent getting better? Because right. it might be great if one team that's went that productivity from, number. you know, it blew off into the moon. But if that one team leaves, where are you at? Right. Um, right. You know, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. I would say. <laughs> so, so get those turkeys to eagles. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. Well, um, I think we've, uh, it's been a great chat. I think we've kind of exhausted the time. Don't mm -hmm. want to make it too long for everybody involved. But Brett, thank you so much for oh, being Aloxian and for lending your perspective here. And uh, for a lot of those of you out there listening, we appreciate your ongoing interest in Moxie and wish you a very successful and, and productive 2020. So thanks and have a great year. Thanks for getting real with us. See you next time.